Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So I am Lisa Moore, if you haven't met me before, and it's very nice. I met a few new people tonight, and I'm happy that you're all here. We also want to welcome our live stream guests. If you're there, I know a few people have been texting me today. They're joining live stream, so we're glad you are here as well. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm being real. I forgot to spit out my gum. Okay, here we go. Excuse me. (laughs) That's Lisa. I bought a um, t-shirt a few weeks ago that says authentic, so y'all are getting, I should have worn it, the authentic Lisa, very, um, (laughs) just very real. So we are in the second week of a six-week series on fivefold ministry, and last week was the introduction week, and we talked about the difference, okay, let me get this opened up. We talked about the difference between fivefold leadership, people holding official positions in churches, and then fivefold ministry. And I'm going to review that in just a minute. Um, I do want to ask that you save your questions to the end because I do get very distracted and um, I just won't even get near finishing. So if you'll help me with that, just the way my brain works. I do better to be focused for a little while and then take the questions. So I'm going to just pray again. Father, I just thank you for this material. I thank you, Lord, for the perspective that each member of Fivefold Ministry brings. I thank you for the prophetic viewpoint. I thank you for apostolic spicing. I thank you for the teacher perspective. I thank you, Lord, for the pastoral roles and thoughts. I thank you, Father, for the evangelistic perspective. And I thank you, Lord, that we need need all five. We need all five. Jesus, you gave five. We need all five. So Father, I pray that through this teaching tonight that you would continue to build fivefold ministry at Global River Church. Establish it. Let that be the paradigm of ministry that we have and let us walk in freedom in who you've created us to be. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Okay, so I want to give credit where credit's due. Um, Three of my resources are these print books, Creating a Missional Culture um, by J.R. Woodward. He was actually part of the college ministry that I got saved in 30 years ago. He was a a campus leader, so it was really neat to buy a book that he wrote 30 years later. And then this is Primal Fire by Neil Cole, and this one is probably the one I've used the most, Primal Fire by Neil Cole. And then this is Danny Silk that we're all familiar with from Bethel, Culture of Honor. And all of these books have just helped me in learning who I am as as a teacher, as a person who who is bent to teach what that looks like in me. And learning to be okay with part of that, but then also learning where I need to stretch and grow. So with each of the perspectives, there are positives and negatives. With each, with the prophet with the apostle, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, with each one that you get the pluses and the minuses. With each one, like the teacher is going to be the one, well, the Greek word for so-and-so is blah, 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 blah. Like, we thrive on blue-letter Bible. I mean, I was today I was reading the verse where it says, and pray in the Spirit at all times. Reading that in the Greek, trying to figure out, is, is that a 
but pray in the spirit or is that an and pray in the spirit? And even emailed a professor, is it, you know, take up the sword of the spirit and pray in the spirit? (laughs) You know, just the teacher is digging. We just can't help ourselves. And the prophet is declaring and calling us back and the apostle is building the kingdom of God and the pastor is taking care of us. And then the evangelist is like, well, we need to be outside the doors taking the gospel. You know, we need all five. We need all five. And so that's why in this class, we're trying to bring you the different perspectives. Now, I kind of designed the class, spearheaded the class. I'm teaching half, okay? So you're going to have to tolerate a teacher for half the class. But um, we've got a prophetic person teaching, an apostolic pastor teaching. So we're bringing all the perspectives. We need each one. And that's why Jesus gave each one. So Ephesians 4, this is where we started last week. And this is the passage about these gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Ephesians 4, I'm going to read verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then jumping down to verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. And the next is for the reason, the reason not so we could have special parking spaces or titles under our names, or to be people that try to lord authority over others. This is the reason for the equipping, for the equipping of the saints to serve you. That's why Jesus gave these leaders to serve you. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So that is why God gave these leaders to serve you, to teach you, to train you. And in turn, you are to go and do the same. You're to go and and teach and train others. So last week we looked at Jesus was all five of these leaders. He was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And we talked about how since Jesus was all five and he lives in us through his Holy Spirit, we are all capable of being to some extent apostolic or prophetic or evangelistic or pastoral or being like a teacher. So Jesus lives in us, that nature is in us, that compassion, the same Holy Spirit that filled Jesus fills us. The same Holy Spirit that called things out prophetically lives in us. The same Holy Spirit that witnessed to the woman at the well lives in us. The Jesus that taught with signs and wonders, the Jesus that cared for people, that same Holy Spirit lives in us. And he said because he was going to the Father, we would do greater He went to the Father, he sent the Spirit, so we could do greater works. So every member of the body of Christ, not just church leaders, is given some measure of gift in some form. Now, when you're newly saved, you, you don't know much. You know, you're just getting started, but over time, you will develop. Like for me, I started teaching Sunday school. I mean, very early on, started teaching Sunday school. Over time, those gifts develop. So, okay. (laughs) 
there, this is a no judgment zone, okay? There, there's grace upon grace. I was talking with Lance. <laughs> of his fullness, talking about Jesus, John 1. Of his fullness, we have all received in grace upon grace. If you did your five-fold ministry tests online, raise your hand. Yay. Okay, great. We have some that did. Okay, I'm going to just let a couple people tell us, Miss Kathy, what, I'm going to hold the microphone. <laughs> tell me what you learned. About yourself. I learned that I was a teacher. teacher. And I first went, there's no way. But then when I got to thinking, I'm an asthma educator. I taught patients how to put smoking in those kinds of things. So it'll be neat to see how the Lord takes it from my prior work environment to this environment. Okay, very good. And you raised your hand too, right? What did you learn, Miss Lisa? You don't have to share if you don't want to. I'm a teacher. You were a teacher. And I was surprised. <laughs> yes. I learned, so what number? Do you remember what? 22%. So I learned that I was, a, well, I knew I was a teacher, but then the second one was apostolic and evangelistic. And I'm like, what? And in my class, when we did this and the professor had us all share, the people that came up with apostolic were like, oh, I'm apostolic. What does that mean? Did anyone come up with apostolic as your top gift? There's a lot of teachers in the church. That's one thing I've learned. Did you raise your hand? What did you learn? Um, it said I was a um, pastor and I was kind of like, Okay, I'm not quite sure how I'm a pastor because I'm not exactly equipped to be standing up there. So what that means is you are pastoral, pastoral. So these, if it says teacher, that doesn't mean you need to email Pastor Tom and next week, you know, ask to preach or, you know, can I be ordained? So it means this is the nature of Jesus you express. So it means you're pastoral. It means you care about people. It means you're empathetic. It means you listen. It means you'll sit down and listen to somebody's story. One thing that makes me the happiest that I've ever done is going on mission trips, and that's sharing the word of God. That's, that's what makes me the happiest of any other thing. Right. So. It's, it's about people, and it's about loving. I'm actually like more comfortable up front teaching. In some ways, this is easier for me than sitting and having an hour-long discussion about somebody's life. I mean, it's just the way I am made. It's easier being an introverted by nature. Um, I'm, I'm very much a people person. I can talk, especially I've had like a Coke and a half tonight. I can really talk well, very talkative on caffeine. But it drains me to sit and, and talk through problems. Like I don't think pastoral counseling would ever be my niche because I think that would wipe me out, like physically. I think it would exhaust me. But this is fun. Like this I love, doing all the research and everything. Okay, anyone come up with prophetic is number one. They, okay, so a nice, um, a nice even grouping at the beginning. Okay, so... If you weren't able to do the test, it is fivefoldministry.com. It's on your handout. Does anybody need another sticky note to make a reminder? It's okay. It's okay. We all have different organizational systems, um, different amounts of time. My plan is, so I want you to keep working on it. If you didn't get to do it this week, um, try again. 
And then in two weeks' time, I'm going to bring a couple laptops. So if some of you don't have internet access or just need some help, we can help you. So while um, I'm teaching, hopefully I'll have somebody that can just help you. There's a five-minute version, I think, and a 10-minute version, okay? So thank you. So for me, I'm a teacher. Um, Growing up, I played school with my neighbors. Like, I liked it when I got to be in charge, the, the bossy one. In high school, when they did the senior superlatives, I'm most studious. So a teacher loves to accumulate information, facts. My husband is hopefully going to be here in a little bit, but if I want to be a good wife on a Saturday morning, I just let him sit in the recliner with his iPad, accumulating knowledge until 10 a.m. before I ask him to go outside and work in the yard with me. Because my husband is a very high teacher, like 27%, and he's always learning about the history of classical music and how to speak in Japanese and leadership and how to be a better manager. I mean, books all over the house for both of us of us. I should have counted our bookcases, but if you're a teacher, books are your friends, and you love to learn. It's just a natural part, and then you get really excited when you get to share what you've learned. So I homeschooled my children. I've taught in preschools. I've taught arts and um, crafts classes, taught Bible studies. So teaching is a teaching, I think, of all the fivefold gifts is one that we can understand. Because as parents, we teach. In the workplace, we teach and we train. In the church, we teach and the train and train. In schools, we teach. In the universities, there's teaching. It's easy to understand teaching. But tonight, we want to look more at the, the gift of G, from Jesus, the fivefold ministry gift of teaching. So... When I first asked Pastor Tom if I could preach, so here's just, I'm going to talk more about this as I develop um, the message tonight. But when you learn what your gift is, then you can say, well, well, what's my next, what's my next step? I always called it baby steps of faith. What is the next step in pursuing what God has shown you to do? Now, even if your gift came up as teaching and God's put in your heart to, you know, be a missionary, Don't sweat that. Don't sweat that. Follow the calling of God. He will use your gift however he wants to in that calling, but follow what God's called you to do. But for me, I wanted to teach. I asked him in 2016 if I could preach. Like, And this is what I've learned. You go humbly. Like with Pastor Willie, I would just say, estoy disponible. I'm available. You know, and every couple months I would say, If you need somebody to preach, I'm available. I never rushed in and said, God has called me to do this. You need to allow me. This is my credentials. I just simply, in humility, said, I'm available. And Pastor Tom asked some hard questions. Like, first he said, teach a Bible study. Well, that was wisdom. (laughs) Because before my first Bible study, I sat right down there with my head between my knees. I was so nauseous and nervous. I had a lot of learning to do. Then I asked him a year later, and then he said, what's your motivation? Why? Why do you want to serve in this way? And I took a year to look at my motivation. What? And my motivation was twofold. One was selfish. I want to learn. I want to learn how to do this. I want to learn. You know, I knew God had called me to speak, to communicate. But secondly, I want to serve. 
I want to serve you. I want to serve the staff. I want to serve Global River. So what is the motivation? And then when I asked him the third, I said, this is my third and final time asking you. He relented. And then I'll never forget it. I got in my car and like put my hands on the steering wheel. I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? I just, I was terrified at that point. But I was never pushy and I never went as if I deserved anything. But I humbly went and by God's grace, um, I've been allowed to grow and serve. So in the survey that I did, I mentioned last week that I studied the five-fold ministry culture here at Global River Church. That was one of the papers that I wrote for school. And I asked this question, who is recognized as a teacher? And I sent this out to about 40, 40 people that I knew, some close friends. And of course, all of the pastors were listed. And then the non-administrative staff, they were also listed. But then there were people in the congregation that were listed. Um, I was listed, Pastor Bishop, Mary Esther, Alicia Christian, Parthena, Teresa Maples, I think she um, went back home, and even Jennifer Costell that was here. So there were a lot of people listed as teachers. Being a teacher is more accessible because there are a lot of places you can teach. You can teach in children's church like Lisa Henry. When I first got started on this teaching journey, if anybody would let me speak, I would do it. I spoke in the youth ministry. I, I talked with, um, I taught children. I went to mops groups. And, you know, anybody that would let me learn, I would go and do that. So there are a lot of people in the church that are teachers, and it's easy to understand the role of teacher in fivefold ministry because most churches are led by pastors and teachers. The majority of churches, as we talked about last week, the, some of the other gifts over time, church leaders felt like those gifts were no longer for today, the apostles and the prophets, and even the position of an evangelist. You know, most churches don't say, well, we have an evangelist on staff. So over time, those positions were said, especially apostles and prophets, that we have the canon. We have the word of God now. We don't need those. But that's not scriptural. And my professor was saying last night that he would ask people that, you know, didn't believe in any gifts of the Holy Spirit. He would say, well, has God ever brought a scripture to your mind when you were preaching? Or when you were talking to somebody and they would be like, yeah, well, that could be a word of knowledge. You know, God, Holy Spirit is always speaking whether you believe he is or he isn't. But most churches are led by pastors and teachers. So review, and I've added a couple things. This should be on your handout. The role of teachers, what we do. We bring wisdom and understanding we help to break things down so you can understand. Should be based on in a biblical worldview. We help people gain insight into how God wants you to live. This morning I was reading in 2 Timothy about godliness. God wants us to live godly lives. So they help you understand how to live. And we're not concerned if it takes a long time. We're going to walk along with you. That's why sometimes, you know, every year or so, you might hear Pastor Tom preach the same thing. Why? We need to hear it again. Every time Pastor Bishop talks about faith, I need to hear it again. 
because we grow weary in the world and the devil can begin to wear us down. So we need to be reminded how to live, how to walk, how to believe, how to minister, how to trust. Teachers are focused on the word of God. Now, the prophet, he's hearing the word of the Lord. The teacher's focus. The evangelist is thinking about being out on the streets after service. The pastor is thinking, oh, I need to call so-and-so because their husband died. You know, we all have different perspectives. But the teacher cherishes the word of God and wants to make it understandable. That's why I bring in all the props. That's why I do that five W's and an H. Look at who, what, when, how, why, how. (laughs) Excuse me. Who, what, when, how, why, how. Did I get it right? Sometimes when I don't have it in front of me, I confuse it. Thank you. Whoever said it, thank you. So we want to make it understandable. We're effective trainers and inspirers of, inspirers of learning. So not only do I want to use blue letter Bible to study some words in the Greek, I want to teach you how to do it too. I want us all to learn, to know how to understand scripture. Now, a thing with teachers is we want to expose wrong doctrine. We want to expose that. That is a role of a teacher is to say this is wrong. Or a better way to say it is this is what the Bible says. If it's not what the Bible says, it's wrong. So sometimes we can be black and white. Now, that's a weakness of teachers. We can be black and white. It can be it's this way or the highway. And the older I've become, the less I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably when I was um, 20, to 20 years old, I was saved when I was, tw- yeah, 21 or so. Um, you know, back then I probably would have said, well, I believe this and I believe this and I believe this and I believe this and everything else is wrong. But the older I get, you know, some things are just mystery. Are you pre-trib, post-trib, whatever you are, some of those things are mystery, Once saved, always saved, Calvin, uh, Calvin, Arminian. Some of those things in humility, it's okay to say, you know, I don't know. But I'll ask somebody that knows more than me. That's one thing I've always learned. If I don't know the answer to your question, I will try to find somebody who does, who can help you. But being a teacher, you have to walk in humility because you are in a position of authority. And that's one thing that I didn't really realize is that if you're given a microphone, you're given power. You are, give, you, you are in a position of power. If you were saying the word of God says you are in a position of power, whether you realize it or not. And you have to walk with humility. And my heart is always that I don't, I don't want to teach you the wrong thing. Because I have to answer to God. I want to be like um, what Paul wrote to Timothy. Be an approved workman who does not have to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's my heart. I don't want to teach you. And, And sometimes I'm wrong. And I've been wrong. And I know how to say I'm wrong. And I know how to make a good apology. But sometimes we'll be wrong. And sometimes we'll just say, I'm not sure, or I don't know. But part of teaching, you have to walk in humility. You can, we can be black and white, and we want to stand for the word of God, but we have to walk in humility. So 
You know, a teacher is someone I love. Um, Pastor Tom's been bringing out some more props lately. Teachers love to demonstrate things, not just hold the microphone and talk, but let me show you. Let me show you how this works. I loved Pastor Tom's um, prop the other week, just that earthenware bowl, that, that vessel, that fragile, ve fragile vessel. That's going to stick with us. So teachers love to, to demonstrate things. Okay, what does the Bible say about teaching? A lot of these um, you know. They're all, all the references are on your handout, and I'm probably just going to skip through some. Of course, the Great Commission, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. And the beginning of verse 20 says, Teaching them. Now, that's a commandment to all of us. Jesus is teaching them to follow all that I've commanded you. So we all are, in a sense, commanded to teach others. We're, you're all leading somebody. Whether you are on a stage or in the workplace or you are at school, you are at home with children, no matter where you are, you are leading someone. You are teaching someone, whether by your words or by your lifestyle, by the way you deal with people. And one other thing that I want to add, anytime you're looking at someone who's in five-fold ministry, no matter whether they have a parking space or a business card or they're called apostle whoever, the real standard of looking to see do they walk in the calling of God do they walk in authority? Are they truly God's leader? Is Are they walking in the fruit of the Spirit? That is your standard. That is your standard. If, if I've got a big, a big uh, name tag that says Prophet Lisa, but I'm not treating you with love in the bathroom, if I'm not being kind in the hallway, if I'm not letting you get your coffee first and before me, then you should wonder, hmm, what's up with that? It says she's so-and-so, but she's not walking in kindness or patience or gentleness or self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit is really important. If you're walking in five-fold ministry, especially in leadership, you better be walking in the fruit of the Spirit. But we can also use that standard. Now, of course, no one's perfect. I sometimes, a couple times this week, I didn't let the other car go first at the, you know, in the Walmart parking lot. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I got to go, you know, get me out of this place. So no, there's no expectation of perfection. But most of the time, we should be preferring others, showing kindness, being gentle, loving. So the fruit of the Spirit is really important. Okay, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ, this is written to all believers, Richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So this is where we teach others. We teach one another from what God has shown us, from what God has given us. Like Miss Karen sharing her testimony of, um, of dying and coming back. You know, she is teaching us about the nature of God, of eternity, of heaven. James 1, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not just hearers. So we're teaching people by the way we live. We're 
tutoring someone, each one of us. 1 Timothy 4, 16, pay close attention to yourself and to the teaching. So we want to pay close attention to what's been taught to us. It says persevere in these things. Oh, this is a good one. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me entrust. I lost my place. I'm trying to go back to how I've memorized it. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust these to faithful people who will be able to teach others also. So the things that we learn on Sunday, as we explain it to our coworker on Monday, we are taking the things we've learned from faithful men and we're passing it on. So we all, to a measure, are like teachers. Now here's, a, here's the bad news. <laughs> if you're teaching someone, then you've somewhat, in some ways you've set yourself up as a target for the enemy. Okay, there, I've, I'm not one who will often stand up or even text Pastor Tom and say, I'm going through a lot of warfare. But there has been a lot of warfare over this class. There, there has been a lot of warfare. And anytime you're standing up and teaching in a position of authority, the enemy hates you. And even in your workplaces, anytime you're living a godly life, walking in your calling, the enemy hates you. And as teachers, he wants to take us out too. I mean, we may seem like all we can do is spout off Greek words, but the enemy hates us because we are equipping the body and how God wants them to live. So here's a verse that... Holy Spirit has brought back to me again and again, 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. And I'm getting better. I remember people saying, you know, let things roll off your back like a duck. And I'm getting better. But not too long ago, I think it was three months, I was watching a um, YouTube video of someone that I used to mentor, someone I invested my life in, and they're no longer part of this church. But in that video, they were referring to a situation I knew from the circumstances they were referring to me. And then they called me a Jezebel. Like, that is the worst name you can call a Christian woman in ministry is a Jezebel. And it did take me about three days till Pat, Miss B, finally said, you need to text Pastor, you need to tell Pastor Tom, because I was just floored. I mean, I, I know where I've not done things perfectly, but I don't think I've ever been a Jezebel. I mean... That's just, that was bad. And that really kind of rocked my world. But a week later, I was better. You know, two weeks ago, a friend called me condescending and cut me off. Okay. And I grieved. But I'm learning over time after you <laughs> get called this and that and this and that. Finally, you're just like, let them call me. <laughs> let them call me whatever they want to call me. I'm still going to do what God's called me to do. And all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be 
persecuted, will be, not might be, but will be, will be. And I'm tenderhearted, but I've grown, and I tolerate it better now, and I get over it faster, and I just, it's just part of the job description, right? Okay, James 3.1 goes with, with this. Do not become teachers in large numbers, my brothers, since you know that we who are teachers will incur a stricter judgment. And that's, like, that's from God, I am, I am handling his word. And I am a frail human vessel, just like everybody else that puts their pants on one leg at a time. You know, that's it. That's what Pastor Ron at The Rock used to say. I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like the rest of you. I'm human. I'm human, imperfect. But I'm responsible to God for what I teach. And that's a big responsibility. That is a big responsibility. So when it says, you know, don't everybody desire to become teachers, that's why. It's, it's tough. It's fun, but it's tough. Okay, teaching and preaching, what's the difference? Because there's speaking, there's teaching, there's preaching. And I've, I've done all three. I've, I've had to really grow in preaching. That, that came harder for me because I'm just the sweet little church lady. You know, I just want to be sweet. But both handle biblical truth. The teacher and the preacher both handle biblical truth. They both handle theological truth. The teacher explains and instructs. We want to we take complicated things and make them simple and understandable for you. That's what teachers do. We want to help you to understand. But the preacher proclaims and exhorts. So there's a difference. We're both using the word of God. The preacher is trying to spur you on to live a different way, to go and do something, to to be like Jesus, to give, to serve, to grow, to step out, to be courageous, to not fear. The teacher just wants to help you understand, well, where it says, of his fullness, we've all received in grace upon grace. Let's get out a prop and demonstrate what never-ending grace looks like. We want to help you understand. So there's a difference. Both are giving information, but there's a manner. One is bringing in all the props and the slides and the handouts, and I want to help you understand, but the other one is like, I want you to grow. (laughs) So there's a slight difference. And when we're done, do you want to add something to that? I'm going to let you hold the microphone for just a minute because I know you're a preacher. Praise the Lord. Um, the, the preaching and the teaching anointing is different. You can feel it. Um, that's one of the, uh, the major differences. Uh, typically, uh, the way when the teaching anointing is on several individuals, the way they will pass the message across would also, it's amazing how God works. God will use your personality. He, he gave you that, those personalities uh, for a reason. So, 
Uh, somebody that's loud and outgoing will present it that way. Somebody that's quiet and reserved will present it that way. It's still the same teaching anointing. In fact, uh, Papa Egin said uh, when he started, he, will, he, will, he was a, a preacher, you know, loud and fast and loud and fast. If you want to hear uh, Papa Egin's message on how fast he can preach, go and listen to one of his message, El Shaddai. Ooh, El Shaddai. Kenneth he again. Kenneth he again. Go and listen to his message, El Shaddai. You, you're going to understand what I mean by the preaching anointing. And I've preached and I've also taught. So what I'm trying to show is your personality also comes into play. So somebody might be teaching and the way they present it will be different from you. Uh, it's an anointing. You can feel it. People in the church can feel it. And the power of God will be there even though it's very mellow, it's very slow. But then the preacher will come with the preaching anointing, proclaiming and declaring with power, with authority. Praise the Lord. So it's, it's, it's still the same Holy Spirit, and he has his own purpose. So, um, and somebody can have both, teaching and preaching anointing. You can alternate in the course of a message. Preach for a little bit and teach for a little bit, and then preach for a little bit. So the Holy Ghost is not like this. Uh, pigeonhole, you're teaching today, and that's all you're going to do. You're preaching today, and that's all you're going to do. So you just have to yield to him and let him use you as he wants to use you because God knows who's in the audience and what they need for that particular day, for that particular season. Uh, somebody can move in the teaching anointing for a season because that's what the church needed, and then God will move them back into a preaching anointing because that's what the church needed. So the Holy Spirit knows us, and he knows what we need. At a given time. That's good. And so all fivefold ministry positions can teach, just like you can all teach. Oh, hey, honey. Honey's here. Yay. And can preach. And for me, I remember driving down College Road. So many of my, you know, we're in the car a lot. And that's a lot of times when we're talking to God. And I'm asking him for the gift of preaching. I'm like, God, you know, your will be done. But I want I want to be able to preach. And I don't know. I don't know if he's given it to me or not, but I have grown in my ability to preach. And there are times that Miss, Miss B will say, like, who was that person up there? I like, sometimes she'll say, I like her. She'll say, I like her better. <laughs> because up here I can become the, you know, I can get all fired up. But then I go back to being the sweet little church lady, you know. So it is an anointing and i know when i'm i know when i feel it cuz i'm like who is she like where did lisa go and i can see the anointing grow over time especially as i've walked through hardship can go through a season of hardship come out of it and i'm a completely different person and also too just as you grow and you learn to trust the lord as he says step to the left and you obey and it's uncomfortable, you grow those muscles to trust him. When God says step to the left, I am stepping to the left because he's faithful and he has a purpose and I trust him. So you, over time, you, you grow muscles. That's what I call it. You grow in your courage, in your courage. You grow in your ability to trust. So Jesus and the apostles, they taught, taught, preached, proclaimed, they shared information by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, 
And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So Jesus was empowered to preach, to teach, to speak, to deliver, to heal, to share the good news, to raise the dead because God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus said to, uh, said to the disciples, Acts 1-8, you will receive power. How do we do this Christian life? How do we walk in fivefold ministry? Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. So the Holy Spirit comes upon us and gives us the power to walk in obedience to what God has said. It's the Holy Spirit. If, if anybody can do anything, it's the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. So in the book of Acts, we see how these leaders, this little, this group of men and women, they turned the world upside down. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then later they were refilled. There are multiple fillings of the Holy Spirit. Even today, fill me, Holy Spirit, fill me, Holy Spirit, fill me, Holy Spirit. So we walk this out, this fivefold ministry, walking in the gifts God has given us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, amen. Okay. So talking about preaching, you know, there are pastors of churches that function as preachers, and they can be any of the fivefold gifts, any of the fivefold leaders. They can walk in being a pastor, a teacher, an apostle, a prophet. Or an evangelist, but then they preach. Paul was an, was an apostle, and clearly he was an evangelist who preached. And this is how he describes his preaching in Romans 15, 19. He says, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and all around as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So it was in the power of the Spirit that Paul did the things that he did. He was called according to the grace that was given him, an empowering grace to walk out what God had called him to do. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, here's another potential weakness if you are a teacher, Okay, if, if God created you to be a teacher, you love to accumulate information, you love to study, you love to share, you love to teach and instruct. Many times teaching in this worldview that we live in where God's way up here and we are way down here and we're separated, it's post-enlightenment worldview, sometimes teaching is just transferring information. Here's the information from the Bible. Here it is to you. It's just, let me pick up this verse. Let me put it over here. Let me take this fact and let me give it to you. It can become just the transmission of information. That's, that's powerless. It really is. It's, it's powerless. Unless Now, oftentimes I'll pray, Holy Spirit, will you take my words 
and anoint them that they would bring life where they land. Now, even when I'm just not even on top of my game, even when I bring my my C game instead of my A game, Holy Spirit can still take my words and make them words of life and health and healing and hope and faith because that's what he does. He takes what we offer, he multiplies it times 20, and he does what he wants to do no matter how trained we are, talented. Sometimes, well, I think we do need to prepare. I think that's, we have to prepare our hearts. So I prepare a message and I prepare my heart and then God does the rest. That's, that's, that's the way that I walk. But a lot of teaching ministry in the church is just transferring information. And what it lacks is the supernatural. Now, what are teachers focused on? We're focused on the word. The prophet listening to the spirit. The evangelist wants to take the good news. The pastor is concerned about the needs. The apostle wants to build the kingdom. Sometimes for teachers, we, be, we can become so focused on the word and just transmitting information that we forget the supernatural element to what we're doing. We forget that. We miss it. Danny Silk writes about in his book, Culture of Honor, that what we need is the heavenly perspective brought by the apostle and then the prophet and then the teacher can teach with that heavenly, supernatural seeking perspective. Teachers, uh, Danny Silk says, teachers can focus only on the word of God, ignoring the mystery in the supernatural. But Jesus both preached and he demonstrated. He preached, he, he you know, referred to the fig tree. He used words and parables that they understood. But then he also demonstrated the power. Demonstrate, like he cast out devils and said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Like that, the kingdom of God is here. This is how you know demons are being cast out. So he, he walked. His message was demonstrated with miracles. And the people who experienced his teaching were shocked because it was different. Matthew 7, 28 and 29 says, When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Like, have you ever heard somebody just teach and everybody's amazed? Like, sometimes... I've taught, I've taught in front of a lot of sleeping people. <laughs> I, have, I have spoken in front of sleeping people. But it says they were amazed at his teaching. Why? For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So for me, what I'm learning is, yes, the word of God is important, but I need to be on my face praying, come with signs and wonders, come in power, come with miracles, show your power, demonstrate who you are. I don't want to just transmit the information. So I know that that's an inherent weakness to te of teaching, of teachers, that we can be super focused just on the word of God and miss the things that are going on in heaven that God wants to bring to earth. So that's why it takes all five gifts for us to have a balanced body. You need the information that I can bring to you. But we also need to invite that heavenly perspective with the apostles and the prophets so that we have it all.
We want to walk in the spirit. Danny Silk says, in a supernatural culture, teachers will teach with supernatural results. I don't know how to do that yet, but that's what I want. That's what I'm asking for. And I know I'm growing and I'm learning and, um, and there's grace. And God is a good teacher. Like when he'll tell me to change my message the night before and I've got two hours to write it, that will stretch your faith. My first sermon took me about eight weeks to write. <laughs> eight weeks to write one sermon. And now I can start on Monday and preach it on Sunday and sometimes the night before. So over time, you know, I've grown. So let's look. We've got some lists that I want to um, just run through before I take your questions. You might be a teacher if you have a hunger to devour and understand the scriptures. You feel frustrated when others don't feel the same hunger. You're passionate about helping others to understand the word. <laughs> and you're able to take complex ideas and explain it in a way that people understand. I hear that a lot after I teach that that people can understand things. There's a joke that I've heard. It says, pastors take simple things and make them complicated. Teachers take complicated things and make them simple. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. But teachers do. People with an anointing to teach will make things understandable. So teachers are the type that will search and research what they don't understand. They love research. Tomorrow morning, I've got a whole morning. I'm going to be researching the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit for the women's advance. I'm going to be researching it in my Bible software that, that I pay money for every month because I value being able to study and research. And, of course, anytime you, you research, you have to be led by Holy Spirit to eat the meat and leave the bones. Sometimes you'll come across things you're like, that is not right. But we eat the meat and we leave the bones. That's what um, our, the pastor where I was with, church with the Valens, that's what he said too. We're interested in topics some other people find boring. Um, I should finish my requirements for my master's in divinity next year, but I want to take Hebrew. So I'm trying to figure out can I add that to my program? I don't need it to graduate. I want to take it. So you might be a teacher if you want to learn in general. You, if you can see situations clearly and provide clear answers, you feel like you never stop learning. And here's the important thing we learned last week. The five-fold ministry gifts were given to equip others. So... If you're a teacher, and especially a teacher in the house of God, you should be teaching others how to teach. You should be helping others to get started. You should, I've mentored a lot of young ladies their first time teaching and they're terrified. And I know how that feels. And so I've walked them through that. So if we are walking in these fivefold ministry gifts, we need to be training others how to do it too. So we equip others. Teachers must live a life that is an example for others to follow. And of course, as I said before, there's grace. There, there is no perfect teacher, no perfect pastor, evangelist, prophet, or apostle. We're all, we're all just, you know, we deal with road rage. We deal with disappointments. We deal with 
people. So nobody's perfect, but our heart should be. We should endeavor. We should endeavor to live a life that's an example because that's your first lesson is your life. Your life is the first lesson that you teach somebody about the nature of God. We should apply the words to our own lives first. There are so many times I've had to walk out something before, I, before God would let me teach it. So we have, to, we have to apply what we want to share to our own lives first. We should be willing to pursue a supernatural lifestyle. Okay, this is, this is where I'm being challenged right now. I can't just have the Bible in my pajama pants. There's more that God has. There's more. We need to resist fighting with other people over the word of God. Teachers tend, this is it's my way or the highway, this is it. Now, we do want to stand up for truth, but we want, don't want to get bogged down in arguments with people. That's scriptural. Don't get bogged down in all these arguments over these little things. You know, let, as Pastor Tom would say, you know, choose the hill that you want to die on. You have to, you know, you have to choose. Is this, is this something you really want to fight over? How important is it in the big picture? We want to let teaching bring freedom and life and not the law. It's very hard when you're a black and white teacher to do this. And, and, and I'm learning. And the other thing I've learned is sometimes what, a, what God how God applies a scripture to my life may not be the way he applies it to yours. There are standards that God has for me that might be different than the standards he has for you. There might be higher standards you have in certain areas than God has for me. For example, the things that you watch, you know, the things that you look at, there are certain things I can't watch and can't read and can't go near just because of my background. It will lead me into sin fast. But you may not have had the same background, and it may not phase you at all. So we can't, we have to teach in a way that brings life and freedom and not rules and regulations. That's that one I've learned the hard way. What is that? Like the Pharisees. Yeah, Jesus did not like those Pharisees that were lording it over and just bringing more and more requirements. We have to be willing to admit when we're wrong. That one's tough. Okay, be humble and ask for feedback. That means you have to be teachable yourself. There are many times I would text Pastor Tom after I would preach or teach and just say, do you have any feedback for me? Now, sometimes people <laughs> bring the feedback. I've learned with my husband that I used to ask a lot, but now I just can't take it. <laughs> just like, I don't want that kind of stress in our marriage. He just, yeah, he'll just nod and say it was good. So, yeah. But yes, ask for feedback because we want to learn. And this is how we learn. This is how we grow. I used to watch every video of me teaching and that's how I learned. I used to always do these like funny hand motions. I probably do different ones now, but I would see me messing with my hair and all these things that I would do. But that's how you learn and you grow as you ask for feedback. How was my lesson? Was it understandable? Was it clear? And, you know, some nights, like when I used to struggle with migraines, there were nights I had to sit. There were nights I was holding on to the table because I had to hold on to the table. I was that weak. So sometimes you'll, you'll be on top of it. Sometimes you'll struggle. That's just life. 
But the beauty of walking in maturity is you learn how to deal with it. You learn how to preach in 30 minutes when you've got an hour-long message, right? You just learn that whatever comes your way, God is going to teach you through it. And the next time it happens, you'll be like, okay, fine. So many times now, I just don't even wear my Apple Watch because it doesn't matter. <laughs> I can say that. It does matter to me how much time I have. I want it to not matter to me because in God's view, his plan is perfect. So I'm learning that too. Okay, increase your courage to risk failure. If you're stepping out, you're going to risk failure. It takes a lot of courage. It takes courage to ask people for opportunities. It takes courage to ask for feedback. It takes courage to, to do. Each of these ministries requires courage. But God is a God that gives courage. He says, do not fear, for I am with you. He imparts courage. And that's one thing I, I feel like that I have the ability to impart courage. Because in many ways, I walk in courage. My crazy idea this week is I'm going to a one-week Spanish immersion school in Costa Rica in January. So I got the idea like last Thursday or Friday and called my husband on Monday, can I buy my plane tickets? I bought my plane tickets. I paid my deposit. January 22nd through 28th, I'm going to Costa Rica to learn Spanish because God has told me to learn Spanish. So in some areas, I have courage. <laughs> in other areas, I still need help. But I feel like courage is a thing that I've learned to walk in and that I can impart to others. So if you need some courage, let me pray for you when we're finished. And, and I'll pray over us as a group, too. Embrace the mystery. Resist the urge to be black and white and show the kingdom like Jesus did. Here's a quote from Spirit-Led Ministry, a book that I read. A good teacher must make room for the Holy Spirit to move in his or her classroom because the Spirit is the principal teacher who will lead everyone to truth. We know Jesus in John 14 to 16 when he talked about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth, the Holy Spirit that reminds us of everything that Jesus said and did. And in this book, they said Randy Clark was a good example of a teacher who incorporates the supernatural in his ministry. So we want to be focused on the word of God, but make room and invite and expect and ask for the supernatural. So some of this I've already gone over. If you think you're called to teach, take those baby steps of faith to learn to, how to walk in that gifting. It, they're baby steps of faith. Seek small opportunities. Be humble and learn about your craft. There are um, a lot of resources to learn how to speak to learn how to get over your fear of the microphone. There are a lot of resources to learn how to use big gestures to reach the people in the back, but then come down really small when there's something important you want to say. So there's all kinds of things you can learn about speaking and communicating. Not everything out there is, is godly and biblical, so use discernment as you seek to learn. And I think that's it for my notes. So as promised, I have left some time for questions and answers. So who has a question? Okay.
So I wrote it down. Um, so for when you, um, I know that you said that you also feel like you have um, an, um, maybe a, an evangelism, um, apostolic gift. So when you, um, when you find yourself teaching and evangelizing to people, do you sometimes find it helpful to um, use like the ap um, the apologetics model where you are trying to uh, share the gospel with like a rational approach with like your engineering background, um, you know, like like a reasoned account to to try to you know, make a point for God and for Christianity. Um, you know, to help build people's faith. And if you do so, how do you present it and the facts in a way where it doesn't, um, you know, where you're gentle with people and, um, and uh, right, right, where you're gentle and you're not, um, you, you know, you're not, you're not being harsh with, with the truth. That's a great question, and that somewhat leads... So next Wednesday, Pastor Bishop's te teaching on prophecy, and then the following week, I'm going to teach on evangelism. And that's part of the thing that we're going to address in the evangelism class. There's a big word that I learned in seminary called contextualize. You take the context, you take your message... And you look at the context, the culture, the environment of the people you're ministering to, and you adjust your message for them, okay? Here's an example. Um, my nieces who are openly gay, they would not have an issue with me saying they're openly gay. When I shared the gospel with them, I did not start with any scriptures from the Bible about homosexuality. I talked about a God who is loving I did not say God wants to change you, God wants to do this. I said, I, I talked about their need for a savior to pay for their sins. But then to get over that hump of, well, if I get saved, I'll have to change my lifestyle. I said, if, if you make this decision, at that point, if God wants to make changes in your life, he'll do it. So I didn't, I didn't come down hard. I didn't come down with all the scriptures about this. I presented the love of God. I presented the need for salvation. I didn't say you've got to do, if you get saved, you've got to give up. You know, just like when I got saved, Jesus didn't say you've got to give up smoking, you've got to give up pot, you've got to give up cussing, you've got to, you know. When I got saved, it was supernatural, Nobody said you have to give up this, 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 this. You know, if God wants you to give something up, he'll lead you to give that up. So we have to take the gospel message and put it in the language of the people we're talking to. So we have to even use, we have to use the words in that culture. If you're ministering to strippers, use the words they use. If you're ministering to homeless people, today I um, <laughs> spoke to a homeless man in Spanish. That was a first for me today. Um, but whoever you're ministering to, you take the message and you put it in language that they can understand. So, and another thing that I have to do for my next class is meet with a person who's in the engineering field who does not believe in God and ask them questions. So the, those are very important things. But for me, my, um, 
evangelism has been more living with these girls. And so I'll talk more about that in two weeks. Okay, Mr. Bill, Mr. Green. If I could have three minutes and 28 seconds to sing the Israeli national anthem, if not tonight, some other time. Okay. So think on it. Okay. All right. That sounds beautiful. No, it's not a question. I just wanted to add comment. Um, so uh, when you're ministering to a person who is very technical and very logical and things like that, um, it's very important to prepare as best as you can. But at the end of the day, lean on the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm going to minister to Brian, who I know is highly technical, the way I will minister to him is going to be different from ministering to uh, somebody else who is also very technical because the Holy Spirit knows how to get to his heart. So don't be so dogmatic about your plan. And that's one of the things that the Lord has been showing me about the prophetic. You know, you have your notes, you have everything that you've planned out, but leave room for the Holy Spirit to ditch the notes and just flow. Uh, many times you, ha you hear me say, that was not part of what I planned. I stopped saying that for the most part. Uh, because I've realized that's part of the prophetic flow if you are willing to yield. And the Lord spoke to me about that, that even while you are preaching and I'm giving you stuff to say, you have a choice to yield or not to yield. You can be so focused on your note and so like I got to get through the note and then you miss the supernatural. And many times when I flow like that, it's addressing something that somebody has on their heart. It's addressing some, some question in somebody's heart real time because the Holy Spirit knows us. So in any capacity you are ministering, in any, in any of the fivefold, lean on the Holy Spirit. It's his ministry. All of them are supernatural. Whether you're a teacher, apostle, prophet, they are all supernatural to the extent that you yield to the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need to have your plan, know the audience, know how you want to present the message. But when you get up there to start, Holy Spirit, this is you. And then let him flow. And many times you'll be amazed how the message will come out more beautifully than you can ever imagine. And more importantly, impact lives. Impact lives and turn people's hearts towards the intention and the purpose of God. Okay, who else has a question? You know I love you. You're amazing. The, the easiest way to bring Jesus to anybody is through your walk. You have to be able to be, like Jennifer uses, uncircumcised, circumcised. Those of us who are more mature know that that means to be led by the Holy Spirit or not. But with family members especially, when I tried to be Holy Spirit, the Lord told me, <clears throat> I got this. So I just had to live my life through them. Let them see, like you do with your nieces. I mean, my brother didn't want to know anything about it. But the first time I went to Africa, whom he knows I don't like animals or creatures, nothing. He goes, if you're going to Africa, it's got to be God. You know, it's just simple as that. Just live your life through. 
Yeah, we're all we're all tutoring someone. Amen. Hallelujah. John, did you have your? We're talking about giftings, and you you said you you obviously have a teacher natural gifting because you're drawn that way. But do you find sometimes that the spiritual gifts, um, like sometimes I know myself that you can rely on your natural gifts when the Holy Spirit's trying to pull you out of that. Like with me, I like worship and I like learning to play. But my wife teaches me what real worship is, you know, like just get out of the way and worship, you know. And I, did you ever discover that when you're teaching that that uh, you have to you're pulled out of your natural giftings? So all the years I remember the first time the Holy Spirit told me to walk off the stage, like up here with all my notes. This is where I can just use my skills. I can use all the things I've learned in speaking conferences. I can use my big gestures. I can use the holy hush. You know, I, I can just transmit information. But when you, when God says, lean on me, he says, get off the stage and just teach. You know, he's, he's had to teach me that, yes, I have natural skills, but I have to trust in the deposit he has put in me. For the last 30 years, things that I've learned in the word, things that I've learned in life, things that I've learned through experience, but it, it was hard. Sometimes I would say, okay, my, my goal this week is I'm going to walk off the stage three times this morning. <laughs> like that's, One week it was, I'm going to walk off the stage to the left instead of to the right. So God will take those natural abilities, but then he'll, he'll stretch he'll stretch. So John is probably, you're probably more comfortable sticking to the technical side of your worship, the things that you know that you've learned. But Terry's the one that, Teresa's the one that's saying, let's stretch a little bit. Let's just, let's just step away from what we know, you know, your eight weeks of research and all your words in the Greek and just get down here and trust me. So that's how I've learned how to walk that one out. Okay. Another question. Teaching's pretty straightforward because we all are familiar with teachers. Oh, oh, my schooling. It's Regent University. It's a spirit-filled, oriented school, and all the classes are online. Okay? So what I want to do is just um, pray a prayer of... So how many of you would say, to some extent, you identify with a teaching gift? Okay, good many teachers, and it's natural. It's a, it's a natural thing. So I'm going to pray a prayer over you, and then we should have some time for uh, Mr. Green to sing. If you, I would like to hear the Israeli national anthem. I would love to hear that sung over us. Okay, so Father God, I thank you. Well, first of all, Holy Spirit, I acknowledge that you are the true teacher. You are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who reminds us of what Jesus has said. You are the one who takes the scriptures and helps us understand them. You illuminate them. You teach us. And then you show us how to transmit that information in a way that can impact a life. I thank you that you give us wisdom. I just pray for each teacher here tonight that you would give them strategy 
in, in their own context, where they're serving, where they're teaching, that you would give them wisdom to know how to do it. I pray for those who haven't stepped out, that you would give them courage. I just impart courage courage to trust God that you are gifted, courage to say, I have a teaching gift, courage to say, I'm a teacher, courage to say, God, I want to serve you by teaching. Teach me how. I just impart a supernatural courage to listen to the call of God and to follow it, to run after what God has said to do. I just impart courage Father, I just ask that you would bring along people to encourage them, people to give um, helpful feedback, people to give them opportunities. God, would you open doors for opportunities, and would you show them who it is? God, I, I thought I was just called to women, but there are women and men here tonight. God, would you show them who you've called them to? And Father, open the doors and give them the courage just to walk through one baby step at a time. Father, I thank you that as we follow you, Lord, we can't see what's in front of us, but we hold your hand so we know that you're with us. Father, I just impart a hunger for the supernatural to accompany teaching. I impart a hunger, God. I pray that we would hunger after what is in heaven, the things that are in heaven. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. God, give us a hunger for the supernatural, Father. Let us not rely just on our own skills and abilities, but God, let us long. We long for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and we long for the supernatural. I just declare we will see the supernatural with teaching here at Global River Church. I just speak that there will be words of life, words of health, words of direction, words of hope, words of faith. God, I just declare just an increased anointing on teaching here at Global River Church. It is not the transmission of information. God, it is an impartation of a holy knowledge of how you want us to walk how you want us to live. So we just say, Holy Spirit, invade all the teaching here at Global River Church. Invade the teaching that each person does on their jobs. Invade the teaching that we do out in the community. Invade the teaching done in schools and workplaces and in homes and with grandchildren and children. Holy Spirit, come. <laughs> because we don't want to just simply transmit information. We want to make a difference. We want our words to bring life, to make a change. In Jesus' name, amen.